killers, demons, ghosts outside Screaming you can run but you can't hide You can't scare me, I'm already dead inside Chronicle, Chronicle's great, right? I love Chronicle. I fucking love Chronicle. But Chronicle does not deserve to be in the discussion with like crap movies because Chronicle is fucking top tier. It is a oh, well amazing movie, bolstered so much by um Dane DeHaan's performance too. The, the main guy, the main guy. Yeah, who's he's losing fantastic. it, and now he, he's a huge Hollywood star now. Like he's had a huge career. He's there's some new franchise coming out that he's the lead of. Yeah. Like he's exploded because he's got the talent. He's the guy's fucking incredible, and in Chronicles mm. specifically, Chronicles so when he's goddamn like screaming and freaking out, and the rain's like flying up across him, like, yeah. and that's a found, that's a found, that's footage a found movie. footage, it's a sci-fi movie, like it, it checks yeah. all of our boxes. Yeah, yeah, and it was made specifically for teens. It seems like young teens. Yeah, you know? it did have that aesthetic to it. I loved. I just got captivated when they explained the simplest shit. Like the reason that the camera is always following him is because it gets to like it's like I don't even think about it anymore. Because he got so good at doing that. Yeah. I'm like, beautiful. that to me, like, my heart swells up like it's the best movie I've ever seen. And it just exists for one second. But, like, when someone believably puts something Explains. that's stupid. Yeah. Why did the, in Troll Hunter, why did they turn and get that amazing shot of the trolls chasing them? Yeah. Why did the, you know, the night vision turn off perfectly? Because it's a movie. In Chronicle, there is a reason in the story, and I believe it. And Cloverfield. Stop fucking filming, man. Are you crazy? We gotta run. Yeah. People are gonna want to see this. People are gonna want to see this. Yeah, that's another one. That's a really good one. It's like... I want to do Cloverfield. But like... I know. I've, but what makes Cloverfield so good is that it's insane special effects, but shown through a simple found footage handheld. Yeah. That's what's so effective about it. I think that... No, I think there's a problem with Cloverfield, and I think it is too gimmicky. I think that if they like here's the new monster movie that's coming out it's called cloverfield it was all mystery and yeah. and like what's gonna happen even the whole movie even when you knew even people your friends had already gone and seen it it was like so cool when you finally get to see it just wait you know and you're like okay i know it's a big monster movie now because we've been hyped about it for yeah. a year and then uh, my friends talked about like how cool it was to finally see it so i know i'm barely gonna get to see the shit and they just keep it from you until the last second and if there was no, like, none of that hype for me building up, I don't know that I'd have the same opinion of it. I think it would just be, like, a bad monster movie because you don't see it, right? It's a great suspense movie, and it's got a few really killer moments. I agree. But, like... That's so interesting. I mean, I saw it because I, I was completely seduced by all of the marketing. Yes, me too. That was, like, what's happening? The cool... The set, they're showing the clip of the Statue of Liberty flying across. You know that it's some kind of monster movie. The ru strong rumors at the time was that it was the new Godzilla film. We still didn't even I remember really... thinking that. Yeah. And then I went and saw it right away, that opening night. Me it too. was, I think, uh, I didn't get opening night, but I was opening weekend. It was like a March in 2006 or something like that that it came out. Yep. And, like, I, I really loved it. And I loved I loved not seeing fragments of it till the end. To me, that's what... I think that took a page from Jurassic Park, which famously only shows dinosaurs for something like 17 minutes of the whole movie. But that restraint Spielberg knew, and I think J.J. Abrams knows as well, too, that it's more what you don't see than what you do see. And you do need to give the audience something by the end, but only for, like, seconds, you know? Show yeah. the monster looking down. I I think that's a little too much restraint, because you couldn't say the same about Jurassic Park. It couldn't have two mm -hmm. seconds of monster in it, yeah, with just glimpses. It needed... So Jurassic Park, yeah, Jurassic Park but has I mean, more dinosaurs than Cloverfield Monster has monsters. Yeah, too. but I mean, by like, if they, if you say seventeen minutes versus like two seconds, right? That's like hundred and twenty times like the it's amount. True. Like 
But in Cloverfield, you do get fragments. You get, like, little pieces. You get, like, yeah. the leg... Like, in Troll Hunter, in the first, like, sequence with the troll, you have, like, all, right of, the tro- all of the Cloverfield build-up, right? You have those yes. legs, you have the tail, you have... Like... But you have the advantage in Troll Hunter... This is a great discussion, by the way. You have the advantage <laughs> in Troll Hunter of different creatures, just like Jurassic Park. So when you see That's something true. new, a new dinosaur or a new troll, it's just as exciting as something new. Yeah, Cloverfield, you, you have one creature. Technically two, those little parasite things as well. That drop off, yes. Yeah, but you see a lot more of them. Yeah. Um, but you, like... You know what? I bet the movie that you want in terms of the Cloverfield universe is coming. That there will be like a, a movie where... We're getting where, closer to it in 10 Cloverfield Lane. A little closer. And the next... There's like two more potentially that are coming cool. out in the next year, year and a half. One which is somewhat confirmed to be an actual Cloverfield movie. Another one that... Because now everyone's just like, okay, what's J.J. Abrams producing? Because yeah. some of those might be Cloverfield movies. <laughs> those could be Cloverfields. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's you know, kind of fun, right? Like, the, to not know... I, like, I've been thinking about that since ten, I saw 10 Cloverfield Lane, and I've just been trying to justify to myself, like, what are these two movies? They're different genres, but they're, like, one's a sequel to the other. Which I guess happens a lot. There's, like, one that'll be a true horror, and the mm-hmm. next will be more of an action movie. But like, they're in the same franchise. They're in the, the same, same genres. Like franchise but vastly different like not vastly different but yeah vastly different genres one's a little like Mm -hmm. they're both suspenseful but they're very different films that take place in the same universe which is exciting one's like a found footage disaster movie all right so now we have to have a comedy that takes place in the cloverfield universe (laughs) but um where i was going with that is like trying to justify like what these movies are and how they exist together imagine cloverfield comes out and it is like the marketing, just like you said, it completely seduced me. As soon as I saw the trailer, um, I Google imaged the Cloverfield monster every day until that movie came out. And I saw the toy figurine. The toy figurine was a huge that, thing. Yeah, when yeah. that was released online, people were like, is this the Cloverfield monster? Yeah, right? I and remember showed, that. And there was a fake out one first. Like, there was the wrong monster. Yeah, that it was way too early. Out. I remember seeing that. Yeah. And I'm like, no way. Man, this might sound great, but this is like 11 years ago that we're talking about, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I remember it well. I said uh, 2006, but I think it was 2007 that it came out, right? March 2007? It might be March 2006. Two. Either way, it's at least 10 years. No, it might be 2008. It came out in a year that I'm not going to commit to. Okay. And It was definitely between 2006 and 2008. Okay, one of those. Ones. So it comes out. It's I'm seduced by it. Um, I'm so excited because they're not giving me anything. And when I finally see it, it's so weird and so unique and so mysterious. And then I don't expect another one. Mm-hmm. And then Ten Cloverfield Lane finally gets announced, and I'm like, it doesn't. It's, it has the name Cloverfield in it, but but by all every it doesn't thing, make yeah, sense. All of the information that exists about the movie is it's like just a really cool thing that J.J. Abrams is a part of. Yeah. I'm like, maybe he just, like, this is a series of movies that all are weird, that feel weird. Right. You know? I don't know that it all has to be about a world where there's a monster, but where the movie itself isn't what you expected. Yeah, and And at the very least, it will take place in this world where this alien takeover is happening, or aliens are landing, so that that will feed into the plot in some way at some point yeah. into the story. So then I see 10, Clo- yeah, I saw 10 Cloverfield Lane and I'm just like trying to make sense of it when it's over. I'm yeah. like, so are they about to introduce the new world that has these creatures in it? Because this was not at all like the ship and the, um, the way more like mechanical looking stuff was not at all what the Cloverfield I understood. No, but at, at like I assume maybe it would be later in the plot line, right? Like a few, maybe thought, the first monster comes. Imagine, this is how I'm thinking of it now, is what would be a really cool way to be, to 
delivering a universe is you come out with Cloverfield and you let it ruminate a little while. It just sits on the audience for a couple mm-hmm. years and then someone sends you back a script and it's called 10 Cloverfield Lane and it's this tiny little isolated story that throws you off for the newly developing Cloverfield world that this fan developed. 10 Cloverfield Lane comes out. Yeah. Let it sit for a couple years. See the next weird idea you get from a fan for... Not to say that's what happened, because it's not, but, like, for where this happened, where this it goes is, next. This is a really romantic idea. Like, just Dude, the... doesn't it feel like somebody took, like, just the sliver of an idea and mm-hmm. expanded it, and it connected I, two worlds? I love that idea that J.J. Abrams is, like, just completely open-minded about where it goes and sees where people develop it. But 10 Cloverfield Lane has an interesting history, because that script originally isn't in the Cloverfield universe at all. Are you sure. aware of this whole... <clears throat> No, no, but that makes total sense. Well, it was written, so it was written by the guy who did Whiplash and La La Land, Damien okay. Chazelle. Okay. And it was just a bunker suspense movie where I think in the original script it remained completely ambiguous as to whether or not there were things going on above ground or not. Right. Like basically the kidnapper is saying there's an ap- the apocalypse happened, we all have to stay underground. And that was the whole script. And that script was floating around in Hollywood or whatever. And J.J. Abrams found it. And he's like, oh, I could plug this into the Cloverfield universe. Because the twist at the end yeah. could be that it's the Cloverfield it monsters. Yeah. And that he's vindicated. So he took that script and developed it further to Perfect. fit. Perfect. But that still fits with your that kinda, that's idea. Sort of, of yeah. like He's looking for ideas of things that will help develop the puzzle or the universe in a productive, exciting way. Yeah, and but that almost means that like he doesn't have the universe pre-planned yeah which is important too in this like idea because like if you do have it planned you'll see things like no no i was thinking more of a but then nobody can approach you about like like no it's robots in the west but mm. it's like it's a fake world that is that oh, is right yeah you know like you never would have thought of that unless you were ready to accept it and like kind of open to it this is a beautiful idea i love it I love just it. being open and it's almost the polar opposite of say james cameron who now has spent nine years writing Avatar scripts and has sure. has them written allegedly. So he has Avatar 2, 3, 4, 5 done, and now he can start filming all four of them. <laughs> Great. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is a really cool thing. And, I mean, J.J. Abrams still has projects that he's that are fully scripted, fully um, closed off, and he knows where they're going to go. But Cloverfield might be a great, awesome thing for him that remains open to others coming in and contributing and to whatever ideas happen to come along and fit nicely. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. it's going to be one of those like crazy, you never would have thought of it ideas that he was like, yeah. yes. Yeah. Where did these ships come from? This is a really great space alien war movie that turns into yeah. Cloverfield on earth. That would be Perfect. just, that would be just as exciting for him as a creator because it, it keeps it organic. It keeps it alive. Yeah. It's not something that's done and he knows what that is. It's yeah. something that is constantly. He's just gestating. got like, He's sort of got, like, his story is more like a virus or a disease that can infect another story. Right. You know, because Cloverfield is a disaster movie. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need a monster in it, even. You Mm -hmm. know? Like, if you think about it, It that movie could take place in just a earthquake or some like a meteor hits yeah nobody knows what's happening the world is just, or the city's just falling apart if that movie was made 10 years early earlier it would be bruce willis and ben affleck as the military chief and commander and they're fighting the thing yeah so exactly. it's like a micro story in this big universe which is exactly, exactly. what 10 cloverfield is as yeah. well right exactly small stories and a big alien <clears throat> takeover yeah but small like very definitively yeah. like not about the the subject matter that is cloverfield right if like cloverfield is again like i'm using this like a disease Right. That infects the this disaster movie. Yeah. Now it becomes a Cloverfield disaster. Cloverfield is the disease that infects yeah. this like bunker movie. You know? Yeah, I'm into it. 
So as, as we kind of are going on in text Chris Dave saw episodes, it seems that our opening segments are just conversations about anything in the horror genre or horror adjacent that we're interested and want to talk about at the time. Fucking anything. Is which is great. To say that. Which is great. This is a great conversation and doesn't necessarily tie into it, but it ties into our thoughts about the genre right now. And I think it's a conversation that um, people will be interested in hearing. Yeah, definitely. At the very least, it's one we're interested in having. Uh, and I think that's the most important. And I just like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Because fuck everything else. It's fuck just these us people. hanging out. Yeah. And if you want to listen to it or not, that's... We don't you. even care. It's I care you. a lot. That's not true. I really care about listens. Please subscribe. Tell your friends please. to subscribe. Oh my god. We have a new Facebook like in a month, please. <laughs> don't say that. Get your mom to like it. Log <laughs> onto her account. She leaves it on her computer. Just... Go over there when you're visiting. She won't know the difference, although we'll be put, she'll be getting some terrible um, images on her Facebook. Updates. Yeah. Yep. She won't want that. A lot of movie posters. I was really proud of the um, Final Girls banner. I mm. love that. Because oh, it showed the cool glue. So good. With and, our, yeah. Because like, that was our favorite visual moment in the movie, too. Yeah. yeah I yeah. love that. So, I, I mean, we were, likes on that. we were talking about J.J. Abrams, who's a crazy, expansive, productive filmmaker. And that's somewhat... He, he parallels somewhat with the director-writer of the movie we're watching today, which actually is, this is the third movie by this writer-director team and this director that we've watched. Which means one in, about one in seven movies that we've watched for Tex Christensa <laughs> have been a Mike Flanagan Have been a Flynn Flan. <laughs> yeah. Here we go again. Doing Flynn it again. Um, Mike Flanagan and Jeff Howard wrote and Mike Flanagan directed this one. What did Jeff Howard, what was the other Jeff Howard co-write? He didn't co-write Hush. He wrote, Mike Flanagan co-wrote Hush with... His wife, who's the lead actress in that movie. Um, but Jeff Howard co-wrote Oculus. Oculus, okay. And he's also his... I think he's, for all intents and purposes, his main collaborator. Because he's also helping Mike Flanagan co-write the I Know What You Did Last Summer reboot. Right, Which they're right. working on right now. And that'll come out next year. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta remember yeah. Jeff Howard. That's... Jeff Howard is his buddy who he <clears throat> writes the stuff with. And then Mike Flanagan is on set doing The two stuff. of them, they come up with some good ideas. They come up with great ideas. And then uh, I guess Mike is the director. And then Jeff kind of steps back. I'm sure he's on set during the production of all these movies. Sure, yeah. The responsibility list yeah. role. <laughs> yeah, but he fully deserves credit because he's, he's the co-writer in all these amazing movies that we watch. Yeah. And uh, what's, what are we doing today? So this one is Before I Wake. Cool. I literally didn't remember. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, I mean, the two of them have been have been pounding out like a movie a year for the last three or four years, right? Mm-hmm. With Hush and Oculus, and we've been ones. yeah, and we've been kind of like watching and talking about their successes. We love we love those their movies. Like, really, sorry, I said three, but we watched Hush. We talked about Oculus. We didn't. That's watch it. it. So, we, so this is the second one by them. Yeah. Um, Am yeah, I we, wrong? Is there a third one there? No, we about? no, it's two. You were thinking Oculus, but we just talk a good amount about it because I watched exactly it recently. It. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we, we discuss his movies a lot, so, but yes. th- this is, this is, no, Ouija Origin of Evil. There we go. There it is. We're back. Yeah. So that was also Jeff Howard and, and Mike Flanagan. So, so wait, then the three are Hush. Um, Hush. Well, Ouija. I said this is the third, so. Oh, this is the third. Yeah. Right. Hush, and Ouija Origin of Evil, this one. And, we, and Before I Wake. But we've also talked about Oculus extensively. We talk I'm sure we'll give ourselves some distance and then watch it again when it'll be fresh for both of us. Yeah, and it's good to go anytime because it's just so good. <laughs> yeah, that might be one of those, and it's on Netflix, so it might be one of those last minute ones yeah. where, like today, where we picked, I downloaded the wrong movie and we couldn't watch what we originally intended. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, so we recovered. We doing a bit back. of a Hail Mary uh, and just throwing on another one instead. So you'll find, you may yeah. note, I have remarkably little to say about this one going in. Me as well, but I mean, <laughs> we, we like Mike Flanagan and Jeff Howard a lot. Um, interestingly, this one 
was received way, way lower by critics than all of their other ones. Yeah, and that's that's almost the... Um, wait, what about... Ouija or Genevieve was kind of that was received great. well, right? Yeah, yeah, that okay. was received well. That's why we were so excited. It was, yeah, the first Ouija, but that wasn't them. Wasn't, okay, wasn't the flan... They picked dance. up this failing, like, origin one and wrote the sequel to it and directed it, and, and they made it amazing. And killed it, yeah, that's right. Okay. So fun. So this is going to be the one where we, um, because of our love of them, we're going to... We're going to soldier flan, through it. Yeah. We're going to try one of the less well-loved flan flans. Thank you for pointing that out, because... On other occasions, we might not be inclined to watch a movie that was received so poorly. Um, a more recent one. Because there were a lot. Even when we were trying to pick ones for today, we were we flew through like three or four ones that were like, nah. Ones yeah. like The Boy. Uh, Dark uh, like... Skies was an option. <laughs> <laughs> the Bye Bye Man. These yeah. are movies that have come out recently. Horror movies that... And they smell bad, apparently. They smell bad from a distance. <laughs> so, I mean... In a pinch, maybe we'll do it, but we're content to let them flow by and check out either older ones or ones by writer-directors that we really appreciate. Something... We have to be interested enough to do it. Right? Yeah. And, we uh, do. That was... Yeah. That was uh, getting one quick, mm-hmm. I think. Trusting the Flynn Flan, which is what I'm calling him now. The Flynn Flan? Yeah. That's better than Flan the Man, I think. Uh, Flan the Man's way better, but I'm calling him the Flynn Flan. <laughs> I disagree. We're going Flynn Flan. Flynn Flan! Uh, we're going to do... Um, I already forget it. Before I wake up. Before up I wake. Prior to waking up. <laughs> Before I wake. Um, so what do you say? Do another one of those drinks and movies we do? Let's cheers it up. Cheers. That was, that was right down the middle for me. Just beautiful. Yeah, I mean, there's so many themes that are similar to Dark Skies that mm-hmm. I feel like it's your kind of movie. God, the whole time it felt like we were just watching Dark Skies. Like, <laughs> the um, the house that they used, the um, just the, uh, the background, like, there's something standing there, the skinny, silhouetted creature. They look, like, It looked like the greys. The yeah. creature looked like the greys, for sure. Yeah, it's hard to feel like they weren't inspired somewhat by... Dark skies. Oh man, I mean, thematically, right? Like the focal point of all their tension and worry is the current status of their son, their little boy, who is so much like the kid Sammy from Dark mm-hmm. Skies. Like, just yeah. had a very similar like voice and face and hair. Like this, yeah. this kid is an incredible, incredible actor. He's he's the main kid of Room, which is a pretty incredible film, Oscar nominated kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. well, Brie Larson got the act because she's the mother who gave yeah. birth to Jacob Tremblay and raised him in captivity. Essentially, it's insane to be a child in that kind of movie. It is the I mean the acting required of him is like insane, and, and he's, he he's, delivers. He's really good in this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, you've seen him in this now. Yeah. You should watch Room because he his performance in that is incredible because they're literally in one room like the size of the room we're in right now. But the kid's entire life until when he's five or six years old because so they're fun. held captive by yeah, a guy yeah, yeah. kidnapped and yeah, fuck, that's so fucked. Yeah, that makes me but more he's uncomfortable. An, he's this an incredible movie. actor, and it really like lends itself well to this plot and story and mm-hmm. the trauma that the kid is facing, the trauma that the mother and father are facing. Yeah, um, this is an intensely emotional film. Like I did not expect that at all, and we like nearing the end of the movie as we got our final few twists in there, mm-hmm. we start realizing what this movie is actually about. And it stopped being a silly little last minute plan to watch and a really sort of powerful, really good movie by a director we love. Man, it's almost as if like this movie was more a dramatic story that presents itself through horror elements, 
but it's really about this family drama yeah. and the trauma experienced by both the kid and the mother, which mm-hmm. are different traumas, but they meet and they kind of heal each other in trying to solve or deal with, come to terms with what they've gone through, you know? Yeah, it seemed like, um, all right, the first thing I want to talk about is the, um, so the the very general idea is that the son or the, the little boy is manifesting his dreams. He has an ability life. of some sort. Yeah. And like close to the end of the movie, past the halfway point, we get this reveal that the mother is doing it too. Is that what we saw? So with yeah. With the little you, with the you, boy. You made comments towards this in the film and I, I did not um, fully see what you were seeing. So we might have just slightly different interpretations of this film. Right, let's talk one, about it. One thing before we even get into that is I want to oh, okay. mention <laughs> okay. is when I went and saw Lights Out in theater, I thought I was seeing this movie. Because I, I saw a trailer for this movie a long, long time ago. Oh. And I went to Lights Out fully <laughs> expecting, okay, a son manifests their dreams or whatever, and I didn't end up seeing it. <laughs> and just realized now when we started watching this, because, dear Scaredy Cats, we must admit, we did not have the movie ready that we were planning to watch, so we pulled this one out of nowhere and just watched it. Which I'm so glad we did. Um, did we mention that in the opening? Maybe. We might have. No, we're mentioning We've been now. drinking, we just watched a movie, get over it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, we were going for, to watch The Void, and instead we ended up watching this one. And um, we were looking online between a few of them. Yeah, you mentioned like The Boy and... The um, Boy and Bye Bye Man. Which Bye both, Bye Man. And all three of those, including this one, all are around the 20 to 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. But Yeah, let's just really focus on that for one second. <laughs> 20 to 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Um, go on. Let's just just remember that. And out of those three choices, we chose this one because we love Mike Flanagan. The Flynn Flan. The Flynn Flan, thank you, man. (laughs) (laughs) And Jeff Howard. We love their other movies, so we thought this was the safest bet out of all of them. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a great choice because... Yeah, I even said it, like, when we were looking at the three of them on Google, I was like, let's just do the Mm -hmm. Mike Flanagan one. I didn't say it like, ooh, that one looks good. I was Mm -hmm. like, let's just do it. You know, I like I I kind of understand somewhat that it would get something like thirty percent if you were going into this movie expecting a full like a complete one hundred percent horror movie. But I feel like mm-hmm. this is more like a dramatic family story yeah. as much as it is a horror movie. Like it kind of it's definitely a big reveal. Both. Like reveals to you what movie you're actually watching. Like yeah, the cancer reveal. It's a yeah that cancer twist. Like it, it makes it a very unique yeah. film. When right? she sits down and just starts talking him through his whole trauma. I, like, basically, like, put my hand over my mouth and, like, oh, my goodness. You know, like, it was so hard and sad. And, like, of all the things we've seen in the movie, um, that was the hardest to watch was, like, this, basically, this kid having to come to terms with the fact that what happened is he's dealing with the childhood representation of uh, losing your parent to cancer, something horrific like cancer. As like an eight, nine-year-old. Yeah. Dealing with the fact that cancer took your mother. Yeah. All right. So this movie got 30, what, percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and that is what it is. But we had this monster, this butterfly monster, who is this emaciated, thin, horrific, terrifying creature that would consume you. Mm-hmm. Like and it, it like seemingly couldn't be satiated and was just r- coming after you, um, and it would always like pop up as soon as this kid fell asleep. His deepest fear would finally creep out, and it was this horrific. I loved how like we were introduced to him very early in the film, like we where we would just see him for a split second. Where as a viewer, it's like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, where you just see that's it? what you said. Yeah, <laughs> did you see that? <laughs> did you see that in the door? Yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> this shit on the wall. 
Of course you saw it. Yeah, you were emphasizing the shit on the wall. I was emphasizing yeah. the gray in the door. I want to call him the gray because he kind of looked like a gray. He looks more like a gray than the grays from Dark Skies. There were a lot of parallels to Dark Skies, and I think that's where Dave's love like just like overlaps too a lot. many in like, terms of the visually, layout of the house, like the house, like the the way that the camera like. I can see um, Carrie... What's her, what's her name from Dark Skies? Carrie Russell? Carrie Russell. I can see her face. Those zoom-in shots of her wide eyes, that mm-hmm. those close-up shots, I can just see that yeah. in this movie. Like, they did it so much. So much of the, like, uh, of the visual presentation is... You can pick it right out of Dark Skies. Man, I don't know if it was the four beers that we have consumed thus far, if it was Jacob Tremblay and Kate Bosworth's incredible performances but this movie really got to me like, i fucking loved it it really got like i felt on really level. really sad at the the reveal that yeah so that's what i was saying is the reveal that or that final song that might have had a role in it na, sorry we'll get back to na, that na, 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 na. yeah it's beautiful um yeah so <laughs> then this horrible monster that's just absorbing people the whole movie she like walks up to it and like shows it the butterfly that like i know who you are like, I know what this all is. This is a safe space. You don't need yeah. to be, like, aggressively defensive. Yeah, this is the manifestation of the mother that you're missing, little boy. The mother who you, like, completely relied on, but under, like, your own gaze transformed yeah. into, into this. a monster. Yeah, because you don't know how to process that as a kid. Your mom yeah. is losing her hair. She is starting to look more gray and yeah. malnourished. And just, yeah, gaunt, emaciated... Like, her eyes become more intense because there's no eyebrows, there's no hair around her face. Yeah. Like, you know, all of her bones are accentuated. And, like, this one, oh, God, almost more than anything else we've seen so far. In order to see that transformation from the monster that's killing people to um, the mother at the end who's suffering from, like, what cancer does to the human body, that parallel, seeing the two things, seeing this monster the whole time, and finally her face... Mm-hmm. In the from the perspective of a little boy who doesn't understand yet, yeah, I totally saw it. Like I saw that they were the same image, and that was one of the most. And then she says the thing that the monster said earlier in the movie: "I'll always be with you." That's it. That childhood confusion of being traumatized by the appearance of your mother as she's dying, and getting this last message of "I'll yeah. always be with you," and not knowing how to interpret that because this figure who you're relying on for all your nourishment and love yeah. is also send is also this horrifying looking figure is sending this message as a kid traumatically you're like you're interpreting that both as a loving message and like a terrifying message this yeah. you know this horrifying caricature of what once was my mother is telling they're all telling me they'll always be with me yeah and the way he describes it early in the movie is like um the kanka man yeah which we originally thought was Kinko's. <laughs> Kinko, yeah. Kinko Man. Kinko thought, Man to Kanka Man. Yeah. We figured it out. They they did the fucking Rain Man twist, man. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin Hoffman is like... Tom Cruise is like, you're my Rain Man. I'm your Rain... A Raymond. I'm your Rain Man. <laughs> right? That happened here and we didn't see it coming. Not even at all. Not in the tiniest little bit. But to be fair, we didn't... Possibly because we didn't understand how for, he was pronouncing it. That's it. For those who aren't listening, the kid, or for those who have for those who the aren't movie, listening to this podcast, <laughs> fuck you. Here's a message from Chris. And for those who are listening <laughs> and haven't watched the movie, the kid earlier in the movie says the canker man over and over again, but he says it kind of kinko. He says it like intentionally vague in a Kanka way that man. Kanka man, yeah, in a way that you don't understand, you don't realize that he's saying cancer. 
that it's yes. cancer that kills He's, him. He, and then, and that's like made clear to us when uh, she's like, "Do you know what this word is?" Mm-hmm. Showing him like the mother's like medical reports. Yeah. Um, from like, you don't know what happened to your mom. You think she's been eaten by a monster. Mm-hmm. Here's what actually happened. And it said pancreatic cancer. And he said he said anger or something. Like when he looked at it. Yeah, yeah. Anger is what he said. And like that's so that blended into the canker. And yeah, yeah, the, yeah. And then she's like, "No, it, it's not what it says." And you see the word before mm-hmm. she says it, and you, you just get it in that moment. You're like, "No!" So it all comes together. I mean, like, so we were we were talky and jokey and complimentary, if anything, about how much this movie paralleled Dark Skies for the first hour, and in a good way, not mm-hmm. not in a bad yeah. way or derivative way. And then the last half hour, I don't know if you noticed, but we just shut up. Like we just yep. we're just completely engrossed and sucked into this movie. It caught me. And I like I have to compliment Jeff Howard and Mike Flanagan's writing of this movie because the, to to place both protagonists, the kid and the mother, as these two individuals who are facing such trauma and learning to deal with such trauma and that they find each other, right? Yeah. And that finding each other helps to really bridge and solve both of their traumas. It's like, this is a really beautiful movie. It is. Um, and oh God, is it ever, uh, ending with that song, just I still watch have, it and just the goosebumps. Uh, like, like, okay. Yeah. Uh, Somehow they picture, they pick the perfect song to close off the movie, which represents knowing what you're going to be both feeling. Yeah. What you're going to be feeling at the end is it's not this like, like it could be a horror movie and then you get eaten by the monster at the end and it turns out he's still there, blah, blah. And it could be like, boom, 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 boom. That's boom, not what this movie is about. No. Yeah. It ended with this triumphant heart music. Reconciliation. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, Chris... We got to go back a little bit, and we let's do it, please. Some, yeah, some a little I'm just, darker. I'm still feeling all the emotions from yeah. that resolution, which was so good, profoundly, and so profound. And I mean, immediately, I'm like, "What is this band? What is this song? It's amazing." I look it up. You are familiar with? This <laughs> yeah, I band. happened to know Radical Face. Radical Face. Yeah. What, what do you do? You know about where this band's from? What nope. they're okay. I, I just know of them from a very specific. My one of my brother actually happened upon them. One Luckily, time, and he's like, "You got to listen to this acoustic indie guy, man." Yeah, that's I'm, it. That's I'm gonna it. I'm gonna download so much of their music, <laughs> and I'll, I'll always attribute it to this movie for sure. But that's we're so lucky cool. that we live in a major international city like Toronto. I called it though, like before you looked it up though. You, I said like it's this cool indie acoustic guy. You he did. It up. You it's said it out loud. Yeah. You, yeah, you found it. You, you called it exactly before we found the, found the result. Yeah. Luckily, we live in a big international city like Toronto, where. If you're here for four years, you're going to be able to see any band you want. <laughs> like, they'll true. come through. Yeah. If they're coming to Canada, they're coming to Toronto. Yeah, they yeah. will stop by. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that, Which that. I also want to ask, are you guys going to go check out Auntie Donna? Yes. When they're, when they're yes. coming? You bought tickets? Not yet. I think we're going to buy them soon. Buy them soon, yeah. I don't know that they'll sell out yet, but we should buy them soon. Yeah. I'm happy for you guys that they're coming here. It seems insane. Are you going to try? I'm not even, like, I don't know their stuff at all. I just know that you and Trevor are other good friends of the podcast, Trevor Pullman, who you know from episode 13, we are still here. Nice. Is that 13? Uh, yeah, I think so, but cool. I'm not going to commit to anything ever again. Yeah. Okay, but sorry, that was a major tangent. You said you wanted to go back. I was. I wanted to we go were back. Emphasizing the ending it. and the resolution, how good it felt. Yeah. You wanted to go back. A bit. How? And I want to confirm. Agree. That's so profound. So good. Um, thank you for continuing to check the mic. It's fair. Uh, <laughs> Paranoid. What I wanted to go back to talk about is the um, what we saw in terms of does the mother have this ability as well? Right. This was a, a potential disagreement I saw because you made yep. some comments in the movie. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So you um, so think that the mother had some kind of ability? Kid at the same woke time? up and there was another little boy like grabbing at him. 
dude. Under the bed, yeah. And he's saying, I'm awake, I'm awake, I'm awake. So I interpreted that, sticking to my interpretation, as um, the kid was just, he was literally dreaming and sleep nightmaring this thing and trying to convince his dream, I'm awake, I'm not dreaming anymore. So I think the trauma that the kid experiences um, manifests itself in the fear of this bully at his school. And when he's sleeping, sometimes this fear can manifest against himself too. So he shocked himself awake. You want it? But you were worried that the mother manifested I think the, mother the bully? Has it. You want to know why? Why? I could give you all these examples and I could build my case and then I could finally close it with this killer nail in the coffin, but I think I got it. If you feel the need to do that, please do. We've got um, time. Okay, so she sees, um, right in the, early in the movie, she sees some like little child coming out of the darkness and then she sees a kid run up the stairs. Yes. Uh, that potentially could be a um, little boy doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, why he would be dreaming of a little boy doing that, who knows. But it goes on to get explained and, and confirmed later in the movie by um, the guy in the support circle saying that the waking dreams happen as well. Mm-hmm. And then the kid does it later. He does a butterfly in his hand. So you can have these things while awake, technically. So, well, then later when she was in the... So she sees her own kid, which this other new kid... What's his name? Fuck, I don't know. Anyway. Jake new... Tremblay. Uh... <laughs> Cody. Uh, Cody, nice, dude. Uh, I should have known that. Um, so then uh, she sees a kid run upstairs. Cody's asleep in his bed. So it could have been him. But at the same time, he doesn't have uh, he doesn't um, do any butterflies at that moment. He's got no dreams that are happening in our sphere other than a weird kid that's completely personal to her psyche. Mm-hmm. Then when she's in the um, psychiatric ward looking for him, she goes into that room that just has a bathtub mm-hmm. and then sees the weird little mutant kid where she has this moment where she turns around while he's splashing around and just walks away and shows this moment of letting go and prioritizing the living child that she needs to be the mother of mm-hmm. rather than this old memory that she needs to let go of. You know, and in that moment, the kid doesn't attack her, doesn't stop, doesn't do anything to her because I believe it's her own projection rather than this other kid's. I, you know, I, I, I like that interpretation because and, it leads me... To believe that this movie is about trauma, which we have already kind of admitted. Mm-hmm. And if it is about trauma, then trauma, not only for the kid, but also for the mother. Insomniacs, in, both of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Results in manifesting a particular objective reality. That yes. when you're facing a kind of trauma, the, the fragmentedness that you feel or whatever affects the world around you and how, so. how every event happens. So it happens for the son, but not just for the son... But the adoption son, but also for the mother, too. And my nail in the coffin to support that she was doing it herself was the very first instance we ever see this happen is before Cody ever comes into the house, and it's the mother looking at the bathtub and seeing him drown. You're right. She has those, like, flashes. The very next scene, or the very next time we see the bathtub, the dad is putting the safety bars in. You know, what a shame that that the critics received this one so poorly, Mm. because it almost seems like the most out on a limb that they went to be like, let's really explore, you know, what this experience is like and put this on screen. And like, okay, so let me make a, um, a comparison right now to a movie that came out somewhat recently. Um, I'll do two. I can do two right now. I'm, I'm going to do both. Great. It follows and the Babadook. I'm going to do both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it follows has this general overarching, uh, theme about, um, uh, hookup culture and, um, I don't know exactly what they're trying to say about it, but that seems to be what it's about. I cannot um, wait till we do that episode. We'll do that. We've been hyping it for 22 episodes. <laughs> and when we finally do it, it'll be so interesting. Because I've seen it once, and you've seen it 
a couple times? 70,000 times. 70,000 times, but also have consumed so much secondary like yeah. material on yeah. what's happening. Yeah. So I think it will be a good episode in terms of... I'll give you my take, and then you'll give your very informed Completely. take. Yeah. <laughs> Melted down take. Okay, so there's the first one, and then the second one is the Babadook. Mm-hmm. And the Babadook has this Also about theme. trauma. Um, it's definitely about trauma, but it's more about um, dealing with a child, uh, or, yeah, a child with, like, a kind of mental illness. Or, like, the trauma, uh, the stress of dealing with a child who's dealing with some sort of yes, uh, yeah. developmental problem. Right? That's what Babadook is about. Agreed, yeah. Um, this one... Um, also has a theme the whole time and trauma is definitely like a good way to, you know, take it away from the, uh, it's like the loss of a, exactly someone, the trauma the of, brought on by loss of your number one most significant yeah. person. And I didn't know that until the cancer metaphor was made. Yeah. Even though I, they laid it out, they said he lost his mom. We knew they lost the kid. I didn't know until they revealed that the monster was cancer that took his mom. Yeah. That this is like sort of what the movie was about. I fully agree. All the pieces were there, especially in terms of the mother, right? Like the reason why they adopted this kid is because they had lost their son. It was traumatic. Yeah. And they needed to fill this void. But you didn't see the reciprocity of, oh, the son is also trying to fill this void of mm-hmm. the mother until the cancer piece was presented and brought in. Yeah, and they just, like, um, the, the creative humans that they are, they got to run with, that con- run with that concept and say, like, what if you're able to manifest those insecurities physically in the real world mm-hmm. to the people around you so they, yeah. could, like, so they could really see your trauma on the surface and it turns into a monster? This, this For is, both of them. Yeah, this is, I think, what we have said across past episodes as well, is what is when hair when horror films are most effective is when they take these horrific ideas and representing horrific ideas on screen as allegories for what's really going on. So yeah. when you experience some kind of trauma, especially the loss of a loved one, it really affects your objective reality. It it shifts everything that's happening around you. And that's exactly what happens in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. It manifests in the in yeah. the case of demons, but it's shifting the reality of everyone around and it's affecting those who are around you as well. It does such a good job of showing trauma as through the allegory of a beast that comes in and cons- kills and consumes everyone else. The yeah. trauma that I experience will consume all those around me because it's exactly. really traumatic to me. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's really fantastic at that, at that and just like um as a horror fan, like your um your the fears that you have becoming a real life physical thing and then not just for you but you're witnessing someone else's fears on screen yeah. you know or, or just like you're the mother or the father you're witnessing them in real yeah. life if um, you experience shit it's going to also affect those immediately around you yes exactly and that's what this movie is is saying yeah, it's saying it's... that like the horror that you experience is going to consume even eat those mm-hmm. immediately connected well, to you. Okay, I don't know about that because I saw that as like that monster specifically didn't represent the fears, but it represented cancer in the way that a kid might understand it. So the con- mm-hmm. the, the consuming nature of it yeah. is in that the cancer like withers you away and consumes you, right? And that's what it was doing to all the people around it. Right. And I'll, yeah, I'll buy into that. Just that the uh, yeah. a kid's imagination of what cancer is is this horrific thing that will just destroy anyone at a moment's notice, and therefore does in this movie. Yeah. And then you wonder, okay, so let's then talk about the scary, freaky child, right? So one of the two of them needed to be manifesting that. I think it was the mother. But the weird thing about it is the kid had long hair, which the their child didn't. 
So I think what I was seeing in that moment. Is Sorry, which um, the monster which demon kid the, that was being. But at what, at what points? Like where? At any point in the movie, it was the same kid. There was only two points. No, oh no, no, there, there was, was different kids because they showed they showed the actual right. kid that the mother lost. But then right they showed at, the at certain scenes they showed the bully kid being manifested. The bully kid was manifested oh, under shit, the kid's that's bed. That's who it was. Yeah, it was the bully kid. So that was it would have been his fear. Yeah, that's what I think. I think the mom, oh, the kid shit. was asleep. But I don't think that fully um, eliminates your interpretation mm. of the mom also manifesting somewhat. But again, we should we should rewatch. But he was yeah he was awake and he was still getting like it was still happening to him. But the but thing was is, he he could have been like asleep and trying to that could have been like that a, one of the waking dreams that we yeah. were talking about. But that could also represent and if we're talking that these things are the fears that they have. Yeah, the lost kid could represent the mother's fear of losing the kid. Absolutely, right. and it also, and I mean, was lost. the mom earlier that day picked up the kid, fully aware that there was a bully uh, bullying yeah. him, so she could have manifested that, oh, yeah. this bully is killing, is getting to my kid, yeah. and that the kid is screaming, I'm awake, I'm awake, and really, he is awake, it's but the mom's it's manifestations, so I think we do need to, we yeah. need to rewatch and go through curious. this, to see through, the, and I, I will be rewatching this one, because yeah, you're, I do think that it's completely underrated, but I think we both really liked it. It is movie. completely underrated. That did not deserve a 30-anything. Man, it, and it was released, I think it went to theaters, or maybe it went direct to VOD, but it came out last year, and it didn't get any of the hype. It, it just somehow like blew wow. by everyone's awareness, you know? Well, that happens. Um, I didn't know too much about We Are Still Here when we watched it, and I thought that was a pretty stellar movie. Yeah, that was um, a lot of fun. Although, like, I kind of like this better. Yeah, this, I think this is a better movie. I mean... That's kind of the benefit of doing what we're doing and going and just p- sometimes picking the most random of horror movies where, oh, it was released by people we like and this year and yeah, it got bad reviews, but we'll watch it anyways. That occasionally it will be this really exciting and profound movie that we didn't see coming whatsoever. Yeah. Damn. This was great. This is why we're doing this podcast is to yeah. get us to watch even more horror movies than we would have otherwise. Yeah. And be surprised by movies like this. I did not expect... To be so entertained by this movie today. Scaredy Cats, this movie has 30% on Rotten Tomatoes, but Tex Chris Dave Saw recommends it mm. like full force. I give it watch um, this movie. I give it four four point three Dave Saws. <laughs> 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 oh like horror is so malleable. You don't need to have a particular it, it doesn't need to be something like The Witch where you get fully sucked in and it's just this terrifying roller coaster for an hour and a half. It can be something that's allegory for what it means to lose someone. Yeah, and like what, let's talk about like what could have possibly resulted in such hate and such like dislike. Right, why movie. Why does it get through? What is it? Because uh, it, could it be the effects of the creature? I, I don't think so. I think the effects are fucking solid. I, I loved it. it. I loved it. Even that last frame where they they show the mother just kind of raising the child and learning to kind of manifest the butterflies, you know? Mm-hmm. At all times, the most beautiful thing, his passion, the butterflies, are manifested along side the horrifying nature of his mother's cancer they all kind of come together from the same place is it just like this kid's mind my 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 instinct when you raise that question my first response is that maybe it wasn't horror enough because it does seem more like dramatic it's a movie about trauma more than it is a movie about being scared Mm. for the viewer being horrifying you know i think we're fully on board for a movie about trauma that uses horror tropes or uses horror devices to express itself but for that same reason, perhaps critics who are watching a horror movie want it to be more scary and less dramatic and slow about the family elements, you know? Maybe. It makes What me... do you think? Um, it, I don't know. I have no idea. Why, why we could it, do so low? 
well, how it, how it could be considered so bad. But then it's Rotten Tomatoes, so like just enough people having the same general mindset yeah. to go like, eh, I'll give that a five, four and a half. Mm-hmm. Like I I don't know exactly what it was, but I don't think there's anything that stands out in this movie as like as someone as they're watching to go like, there it is. I hate it. You know, like there's nothing that like really went like, oh, I'm watching a you know four out of ten. Mm-hmm. You know, never did that occur yeah. to me. I was waiting for the moment when it was going to be like stupid. When we watched, um, and we didn't watch this. This was uh, we watched the sequel. Uh, Ouija. No, the prequel, Origin of Evil. Yeah. Um, Ouija. We watched the night before, and we didn't do it on the podcast, but we watched it. And there was that like when things went to shit, and like the, the boyfriend was like hanging in the middle of the stairs yeah and then he like jumped and bungee grabbed one of them and flung them up i'm like there we go there it is <laughs> you know there's the shit we were waiting for. i get why it's dumb you know <laughs> uh, and that's those are the moments where i'm like there we go even if i don't think it's that dumb i get the moment where the credits go like Ugh, stupid and i think both of us starting this movie just knowing that it was 30 percent we're kind of waiting for that yeah. and it never really came no I don't think it did. I loved that movie. I yeah. thought it was a fantastic horror movie. I thought that monster was super scary. When it ran at them, when it would walk slowly, they oh gave it God, so much man. screen time and it never lost its effect. It stood up out of a big present and it was scary. You know? It literally stood up out it of a was. present. And I was like, fuck! <laughs> it put its stupid gloved fingers on the edge of the present and stood up. And I was like, no, there it is. And it's so crazy that it's just that creature that looked like the greys was just his manifestation of the mom dying of cancer what yeah. she looked like in her latest phase no and hair gaunt I, we both saw that when we saw her face not mm-hmm. before they said yeah this is why you're doing it but when we saw her face like it's clearly where we made you yeah. it was just um mike flanagan uh jeff uh, howard howard they just put together the greatest like believable story even though it's ridiculous even though it's butterflies flying around the living room every night the kid falls asleep you follow it until the moment that they're like but this is about something real i love that juxtaposition that um when the terrifying demon creature shows up it also at the same time butterflies will show up but the thing is there's like the the shitty moth black ones versus the pretty blue one and the orange ones i think that still is just playing into the juxtaposition that yeah when the kid is in this unconscious state he's manifesting both his hopes and dreams and things that he loves the butterflies which are beautiful but and they've been sort of perverted though in this way yeah and they and they can be perverted at the same time it's just all his unconscious projection projecting into objective reality yeah and when we deal with trauma individually it's going to it's not something that we carry inside it's going to affect those immediately around us yeah this is i i feel so bad for jeff howard and mike (laughs) blank because this is like oh they're doing fine in some they are doing great (laughs) they're They're, getting the gigs yeah they're They're doing fine dude they're getting the gigs but how much do they make on fucking ouija I think they made a fucking ton. Or at least they made their studios a ton, so they will continue to get employed. Yeah. But in a sense, this is almost their the film that they made that has the most emotional depth. So far for me. Yeah, I think so, right? Uh, Okay, I'm thinking Oculus, Ouija, uh, this one of the three of them that we've watched. Hush. And And Hush. Hush. Those are all like kind of run of the mill horror movies, which we love. They are Hush great, is very solid. empowering, but yeah, not incredibly like emotional, like mm-hmm. re- realizing anything. Yeah, this is dealing with kind of loss and tragedy in like a really profound way. And I'm almost really disappointed that the, or not almost, I am disappointed that the critics kind of didn't see the merits of this as a film. Yeah, 
Yeah. And uh, now, now they're doing kind of a run-of-the-mill. It'll be interesting to see what they do with I Know What You Did Last Summer. <laughs> they get yeah. to reboot it. That's a heavy task, in a sense. For people is. of our generation, especially that, for, for us, that was kind of an entry into the slasher film. Like, I, didn't th- I didn't think, though, that they would, like, fuck me up like this. I thought I would always be just be looking at, like, a top-quality, kind of quirky feature. Run-of-the-mill genre horror film, yeah. Run-of-the-mill, but, like, the best version of for yes. someone of my yeah. sensibilities, you know? I'm like, great. There are two people at least mm-hmm. I can trust to, to make awesome horror movies. Yeah. Cheap. That'll come out a lot frequently. Yeah. Great. I have these guys. And, uh, and I mean, until now, I always yeah. thought it was just, like, um, mm-hmm. the uh, Flynn Flan. Um, you, man. <laughs> so like it's cool to know that there's this like collaborative dream team that's like inspiring one another and that they're gonna make some shit like this that's gonna make me like you know 95% of the way through the movie go like oh my god you know and like exactly yeah after I've loved the shit out of it the whole time already you have you were on board pretty much like earlier than most ever <laughs> yeah you just i don't know if it was the parallels of dark skies or if it's that something about this family right. theme let's and pro- and this this like having the center of this being a son who is somehow being um un not understood or misplaced or um privy to some alien force for some reason this seems to do it for you am i wrong like in, uh, in both dark skies and this that i like it gets that. you excited off the bat it does like there's something about that, but, like, I was in it, honestly, right at the beginning. I think I what I said to you was, like, I hope nothing bad happens. I could just watch a movie like this. Just where, like, they're just a family, and, right. like, they are, they love them, and everything's happy. Like, I just love the chemistry of the mm-hmm. of them. I love their little house, their little family. I love, like, that they were, like, finally getting to the end of this road of adoption. Like, they finally yeah. had something. It all was working so well for me. Just set up... Nothing about the crazy, weird, horror, potentially sci-fi part. No, I think you said early in the film, like half an hour, like, oh, I almost wish this wasn't a horror film. Like, I really yeah. love these characters. Yeah. And That's kind of what I mean, yeah. Together. I just didn't want anything bad to happen because <laughs> I just loved the setup and where we were. I think that's a testament somewhat to the great acting in this movie and also the great acting in Dark Skies. Like, Carrie Russell mm-hmm. and who's the husband in that one? Is it oh. Timothy, Timothy Oliphant? No. No. Oh. Um... I don't know. But either either way, either way, those, he's, he's both the mothers and the sons in both of these movies are fantastic actors, and that really sucks you yeah, in. Yeah, in this one, she was like, she threw me off a little bit because she was like, also suffering from insomnia, which mm-hmm. like, so she was like a little more like intense and detached at weird moments. Yeah, but like also like a really great mom, and like I was just loving the moments where like there's a new kid in the house and he was like somewhat timid, but like they were so inviting and they really wanted him there, and he felt like. I kind of felt like, finally, he's got a home. And, it, like, that's what they were presenting. Yeah. I'm like, this is great. Like, just the weird element of, like, you're sitting with someone who you met, like, just shortly before, and they're reading you a story, and then he leaves, and someone else walks in, and they just want to say hello to you, and say that they like you, and they're glad you're there. Okay. And I was loving every single little moment of that, and I knew in the nighttime a monster was going to come. <laughs> <laughs> I had everything I could possibly have yeah. wanted. It was... Yeah, you are totally right to identify this as, like, a, a Dave Saw movie, because that is, to a T, what I love about mm-hmm. movies. And, I mean, the, the commentary that I didn't expect, not even withstanding, that was, just brought me in even more. Just put another, like, yeah. stitch in my heart. Like, yeah. it was beautiful. That's um, so cool. But, it was... for, for me, this even more so than Dark Skies. Like, sure. this this one sucked me in even more than that. Yeah. In that one. But, at the same Dark's, time, being yeah. sucked in, the whole time I was watching it, I was like... 
This is like a Dave movie more than this anyone is, else because this is his the kind of themes he likes, the setup that he likes. I just want to watch so many interviews. I want to hear them say the name Dark Skies. I want to hear it. <laughs> I deserve that. <laughs> and at the same time, because it was such a, a critical flop and it didn't really seem to get a wide release, like, why wasn't this movie overly promoted and boosted in theaters? I think because for some, uh, to some extent, the audiences just want... You know, a bunch of jump scares, a clear, obvious thing. They don't want to deal with reality in a certain, in, in the same, in the same extent that this movie deals with reality in terms of yeah. trauma as a real issue. I am gonna have to reiterate my stance earlier. I don't know. I have no, no justification for why this movie ended up where it ended up. Mm -hmm. And Dark Skies is like either the similar or worse. You know, like mm -hmm. you know. It's definitely very, in the same ballpark. In the same, or it might be forty something, but still, it's, it's like, like that. let's 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 illustrate family trauma and family issues through horror genre, like through the way yeah. that horror, horror movies present themselves. Yeah, like I don't know. I feel like I can even understand Dark Skies not getting like a great review even more. This <laughs> makes no sense to me. It's beautiful. Yeah, even if like you didn't. It doesn't even make sense that the horror community alone could shut this shit down for it not being horror enough. Like, it seems like that's not enough reason for this getting a shitty score. It was very, so good. Very strange. Very strange. Who watched this movie they hated it so goddamn much that it ended up here? We're on your side, Mike and Jeff. We're, yeah. we're big fans. We love all their other ones. Hell and yeah, we are. Yeah, th these are some of our favorite horror filmmakers around today uh, yep they're definitely keep on here. keeping on cast us as even background we just want to be a part of some of your i want to be films. the killer <laughs> <laughs> um okay so i think that one will do it i agree um anyways guys thank you so much for listening my name has been david stonebra and my name has been chris vandenberg and this has been the text chris dave, dave saw massacre, massacre. And as always Chaos reigns, chaos reigns, chaos reigns, chaos reigns. Turns out it was cancer, chaos reigns. See you next week. Scaredy kitties. <laughs> Bye.